Hi everybody, welcome to Rickel at Law and of course I'm so happy and fortunate to have my second guest on the show, the very well-known Sanjay Smith, attorney at law and former but dormant DJ. He'll correct me if that's wrong. <laughs> um, so we're here and this is another segment of the installment of Rickel at Law, Insights with me. Um, Sanjay, thank you for being on the show. Yeah, man, no problem. So a lot of people are wondering, is Sanjay still DJing? I still do, but um, not at the same level I used to. So um, when I was DJing full-time, of course, it's a different wide variety of events um, locally and overseas. And to be honest, to, to play on that level while being an attorney, is, it's not really possible. That's just a reality situation. In fact, to do that while even in law school was extremely difficult. Mm -hmm. I actually cut down from law school. Mm -hmm. So I still do, um, mainly private functions though, weddings um, and such, select events. Right. So I still do, but not, not anywhere near what I used to do. I used to DJ probably like six, seven times a week. Mm -hmm. I know it's down to just rare, the rarity of an event. Just uh, a wedding event. select event. Yeah. So if I'm at an event, it's a select event. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, obviously, you know, a lot of people are saying we miss the Sanjay touch when it comes on to events and parties. Yes. Um, tell us, though, you have, before we delve into the attorney side of who Sanjay is, mm -hmm. tell us, you have developed and garnered that much experience about um, DJ. Do you consider the business of DJing any different? I mean, I know you don't do it anymore, but I suspect you have uh, connections and relationships with current DJs who mm -hmm. can tell you about what the business is like today. Um, what's the comparison you can make between DJing back in the day and now? Back in the day, my God, make it sound so bad. I'm sorry, I mean... Say back in the day. What so when, when I when I started, mm -hmm. when you start, okay, when did you start? All right, when I started DJing, would have been in the mid nineties, mid to okay. late nineties, about ninety seven, ninety eight. Mm -hmm. I was in high school at the time, so um, it was a thing. Saint George's College, you know, we are known for entertainment in some way, shape, or form. If it's not so, um, history of George's persons who became went into music. You have Tony Mataran. Um, you have um. Conley from War 21, Bobby Chin from Black Chiny, um, Super Twitch. Um, you have myself, you had, uh, I think, two other guys, other guys in Kapasha at, at the time. And uh, um, you had, uh, oh God, you had persons who went into production, they went into events, and it was just a whole lot of stuff that was going on. So the comparison in terms of what it was like when I began DJing to perhaps, I would say about 2000 and maybe about 2010. So we're talking about from 97, 98 to 2010, you saw the change from records to, to CDs. And um, you saw the evolution of the, the professional DJ CD player into um, platforms such as Final Scratch and Serato and uh, I mean, funny enough, uh, I think there was always a boat there, um, in the industry. What's it called again? Oh, my God. The other one, that other computer software there. Oh, God. I don't remember the name of it, but it's, it's, it's been around for quite a while. Winamp and other things that were around from a long time ago. 
and um, virtual DJ is one I'm trying to remember. That's been around for a very long time. I think even before Serato. Um, so the evolution of music and how it is played and what it's played from had changed. Now we're more using controllers. It's an all-in-one unit. They can get one for like 300 US. Uh, back when I started, it was turntables. One turntable, even now, if you're buying a Technique 1200, that's 950 US dollars each. So you buy two of that. So you already gone almost two grand. Right. Then you had to buy a mixer. And you can either buy a scratch mixer or you could buy a four-channel professional mixer. Okay. Um, so you'd look at, and back then it was called a coffin. Okay. Because it was that big. Mm -hmm. the oh, was, it, was, it was big. Coffin size. Okay. It was coffin size. And it was black, usually black. Mm -hmm. uh, so the the cost to come into the business was higher back then. The cost is lower now. Mm -hmm. In the sense that uh, when you're moving from buying the music physically, if you don't buy it, you couldn't play it, mm -hmm. to downloads. So we can talk about things like from, from records to, to downloading software like Napster and LimeWire right down to where we are now in the industry. You can rip songs off YouTube and play it in like five minutes. Right. So the cost to come in the music business was is it was higher back then. It's cheaper now. Um there are persons who come to you and say, oh, I have a hard drive now you can't give me some song. <laughs> so you could you could you can copy five, ten thousand songs in under half an hour. Right. So versus buying five or ten thousand songs um twenty years ago. So the cost is a lot less. Um, there, are, there's pro, there are pros and there are cons, and it really comes down to. So I always say, it's good to have the music, but it's more important to know how to play the music. It's very different. Right, I agree. So, especially the playing part, um, that has a lot to do. Well, I think the success of any DJ has a lot to do with the how it resonates with the patrons, the crowd. Mm -hmm. Do you think the crowd reception of DJing today is any similar or any different um, compared to in the 90s, the, uh, the 2000s, early 2000s, late 2000s? And if not, mm -hmm. if dissimilar, what do you think is the reason for that? Uh... So the pace of the pace of music in a Jamaican party, it there's a book called Ideas written by um, Dr. Kingsley Stewart, aka Ragashanti. There was a course called um, Dance Hall, a dance hall course at UA in Oxford. Back then it was called SY27D, um, Sociology and Dance Hall and such. And it it examined the 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 music the party space the the dance hall space not just the music but the fashion and the lifestyle everything and the pace of the music has always been pretty fast it is faster now in terms of how somebody can mix um, the reception is still more or less the same in okay. terms of yeah we like this song the difference now is that there is quantitatively there's more music. Qualitatively, that's another argument. Which I think we'd love to embark on. But oh, I'll let you finish. So it 
the, the, the reception and the, the energy is still there. The beauty about the evolution of the, the, the DJing material and equipment is that it, it gives you the option to do, I'm so sorry. I should have a trial. No one's off. <laughs> I should have a trial tomorrow. <laughs> oh, that's a kind? No. <laughs> but um, yeah, that's that's somebody connected to that. Okay. All right. So the the ability to do more with a DJ console and the software, it's it's wider. Mm -hmm. It's wider. And um it 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 opens the door for creativity. So, for example, with Saratano having stems. Now, when persons hear stems, you're thinking to yourself, like flowers. Are... Yeah. All right. So think of us, think of a song as, as like a like a tree. Right? Now, the base of the tree is a branch. Okay. The, the root, that's the branch. But then what makes up the tree is the different the leaves and the whatever. Mm -hmm. So if you look at if you break it down leaves the fruit the smaller branches the main branch and the root right and what will be the sun mm. now in a song you have different layers so you have the the drums and you have the the keys and you have the the bass and you have the if you're going to go deep you can you layer the rhythm in different pieces of instruments so with stems now you're able to isolate that okay I so back then it was just you, you turn the bass down mm -hmm. now you can take out the vocals and you can do it on the fly while you're mixing which is great and when i used to be a student engineer and work on productions and such we spent hours in the studio trying to put certain things together and then now you can just do it a lot easier so it opens the door for creativity um it's Reception is better, it, it, but it's, it's the same right. once the person knows what they're doing. Because right. um, if a good DJ isn't somebody who just can mix from, from A to B, DJing is a package, w worse now. Right. Back when I began the DJing, the DJing, the sound system was three people playing, which was the mic man to talk, the selector to choose the records, right. then the DJ to mix the records. Now everything is in one. Right. So... Before a DJ plays, he's supposed to, supposed to, supposed to read the crowd before and during and then anticipate. So from that, he can make a selection. Mm -hmm. And if it's during the set, he's playing, says, these are the songs and it's not working. Mm -hmm. You must kind of say, I didn't find this is not working. Let me change. Yeah. And if you can't change on the fly, but you're going to stick to what you're going to play, we call them playlist DJs. I don't business. That's an actual. Term. It's a it's a term. Oh, okay. Playlist selectors. Yeah. I don't yeah. I don't care who vex who who vex vex. I feel like we all have experienced playlist DJs at some point. So, oh yeah, man. So if you're not able to evolve your your selections on the fly, mm -hmm. and you become predictable, or you just stick to one thing, I mean, it's not working. You're flogging the dead horse. I agree. The guy who comes after you, you know, not <laughs> to play one song and he erased everything that you did. Is that is it? Is it's like that. And I think it's it's what I find quite interesting when I when I 
I'm a person that observes DJs. I might not know the science of it, mm -hmm. but certainly from a, per a patron's perspective, I always listen to how they synchronize the the flow or or create a flow from one song to the mm -hmm. next, and whether or not it's uh, a fluid one. And a lot of times, like you said, if it's a song which isn't meeting the crowd, at, like at least the crowd can be an older crowd. Mm -hmm. And you find that you're playing a song that's not meeting the crowd, then I feel like that's something that you ought to consider as a DJ. I want you to stop right there. Sir. What you just said, mm -hmm. I want you to put that in a short clip mm -hmm. and put it out there. Because mm -hmm. there's a there's a principle I teach. Mm -hmm. I, don't, I, I believe that there's no way a DJ will be anybody in any industry is going to be around forever and ever. Amen. Right. You have to be able to pass the button. No. <laughs> One thing I've always said is this. The patron may not know the technicalities of DJing, but they know when something is wrong. Mm. Yeah. The difference, the big difference now in the industry, in the party space, is yeah. that people start boo and buckle people and clap people. Because oh. I can tell you, 20 years ago, you know, 15 years ago, if a DJ play, all right, we give it like a three strike. So find first song, low connect. All right, let's <laughs> let's try and work with this guy. You know, yeah. he's, he's 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 just starting. He said, let's just give him a little chance. Right. He said after the third song, you hear the first boo mm -hmm. and the first clap. It does like a wave. <laughs> That's what it used to be. So the big difference really is the crowd has gotten more lenient. Lenient patient and tolerant yeah and they take their grosses to to twitter or x or whatever it's called or social media but back when i was in high school and a man play foolishness mm -hmm. immediately the crowd make you know yeah buckle boo clap yes come off that was nice they don't care who you are even artists yeah you sing the wrong line yeah get off <laughs> and they can watch it on youtube the energies back then were actually higher the energies in parties now are a bit low. Yeah. More posing, everybody's rich, but then broke. Yeah. And back then, in high school, it was about the party. There was no bag of cameras and social media. And right. It was about the vibe. It was about the party. Mm -hmm. Right? And the difference, and I'm going to get, I'm starting to think deeper now. The difference mm -hmm. now is that there's too much posing. There's too many wannabes. Mm -hmm. Everybody rich, mm -hmm. but you live with your parents, really? Mm -hmm. Come on. I don't really mean words. That That's a team. good thing. I think the, the authenticity comes from that, you know. And when we used to party when we were, were younger, mm -hmm. and we start partying for pre-game, then we go to the first party, which party like 10, 11 o'clock. We leave in the party like 6 in the morning, 7 mm -hmm. in the morning. Stop by fatties or you get a pan chicken or something, no matter where you were. Mm -hmm. Some parties were melting pots, uptown, downtown, no matter where you are. Ross is one of them. You don't know Ross, probably, because Ross is before your time. It's but a you, party? But you know, main event. Yeah. Two other persons in main event were the persons who were persons who kept Ross. So, so Ross mm -hmm. was actually initials, Richie, Andrew, Solomon. Okay. So the R and the S are the two persons who run main event. Oh, okay. That's why they know events so well. With them, it's it's guaranteed. Or I'm talking about from the midnight. It's come right down, and this is experience, and wisdom. So, 
there were melting pot parties. There were, it was just about having a great time. Yeah. Touching a party is not a new thing. I see it come up now, I'm like, yes, it's coming back. That's good. Back then, you had to have your shell tucks, your big gun, or bop. <laughs> Whatever it was, and yeah. you had a great time. But it was so much more fun because people were just about trying to have fun versus trying to look rich and pose and take social media. Like, Yo, dog, rich. Really? You like Bill Deal still? You paid? No. I agree. No, I think that there is something valuable about just enjoying a party instead of just being a poster or posting it for the gram or whatever it is that you post it on. I think we need to find a way as individuals, and maybe this is just a lost cause now, a case, but we need to find a way to kind of preserve that authenticity of just enjoying the moment mm. and not trying to, to, to create, to capture it when you can actually limit it. So that takes me to another aspect of the DJ business. We'll get to oh the law part. Oh man. So, All right. What are these DJs saying though about the business of it? Are they making more money now because of, I guess, the quantitative aspect or the increased number of parties and events? No, as against then. And then again, I'm not even sure. This is just me thinking that. Really, it depends on what the DJ does. Mm -hmm. Because there are DJs who, who are um, specialized. Mm -hmm. I want to say that, that word. Specialized in particular type of events or particular type of markets genres for example um so if you're able to connect globally or regionally or even so island-wide yeah you will do well and the key to really making money in, in in djing is not just trying to be locked down to a particular style if you're not able to to do different types of events you will make your money you know but you won't make the kind of money you may want to make and there comes a point in time that you may have to to look outside of your your comfort zone and um expand your your reach expanding your reach is where you really make money in any business not just music but just law banking i mean it's all about expanding your reach so that's and i and i i remember a conversation i had with um Somebody who I respect, really cool guy, friend of mine, really cool guy, Chris Williams. He was discussing, we're talking about, talking about, about business and he, he spoke about the importance of not just having, oh, this is my one customer. He, you know, he brings in five, ten million dollars worth of investment. Yeah. But then you have another guy who has the same ten million dollars in their investment portfolio as they're you know as they're the agent but they have 10 persons giving them a million dollars to invest mm -hmm. when the person with the one 10 million dollar investor mm -hmm. when that one investor goes you have zero yeah. if i have 10 investors each in a million dollars and one leaves i have nine right apply that same principle to to music mm -hmm. you do events for this type of event that, that kind of event you're you can do corporate you can do sweet 16s or weddings and you can do mc you you, you you can be in entertainment make money 
and make very good money if you are diverse. So in terms of whether or not you're making more money now versus back then, it really comes down to the person because one person's experience would differ from somebody's experience. Right. Um, flying out is where you really make the money. Yeah. I think it needs to be said. Um, so, so expanding your reach is, is pertinent to a successful uh, business in DJ. Question though, this is a Jamaican context. We know that um, a lot of Jamaicans, Mark, you were in a different time have failed to reduce their business transactions into writing. Is it contractual in the VJing business? And if not, is it something that's practical for that kind of business? Which I would think in any case, yes. But I'll allow you because you know you know the business more than I do. No, any business is based on some amount of contracting. Mm -hmm. Any business, no matter what it is. Um the art industry is perhaps one of the most abused industries worldwide. Anybody who does, not just persons who DJ, but persons who sing, persons who draw, persons who paint, persons who dance, persons who make music, most abused. A lot of times, DJs don't understand. If somebody calls you, say, hey, listen, I want you to play this party from 8 until 2. And you say, fine, this is my cost. My cost is, he said, $25,000, argument's sake. Eight to two, no problem. Mm -hmm. A lot of times it's not in writing, but it's spoken. But when you get to the party at 7.30, you realize that at 7.30, the sound out if you reach, but you're there. You have already begun to uphold the year in another contract. It's now two o'clock. Ramon said, boy, Crowd kind of late, you know, so I go to about 3.30, you know, Emma must go on the thing. I said, no, but I have another event to go and play at 3 o'clock or at 2.30. I took this event knowing that or believing it finished at 2 o'clock. Then you hear about, no, you can't leave and you leave and pay you. And a lot of times it, 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 it happens that way. And I would suggest to everybody who is doing DJing, um, Put it in writing. Either by WhatsApp, um, send an invoice, because you can always export the chat. Right. And um, you need to be cognizant of what your rights are and what the contract really says. Because if you know, and this is a mix of the law with the music now. This is all I wanted to say. You, you don't, you, you and I both know that if it's not in writing, come on to parole evidence. He said, she said, we're back and forth. But then I go, hey, Judge, you know, there's a WhatsApp conversation. Let me export it and make it available. Oh, oh, yes, let's exhibit that. Boom. Some amount of evidence. Okay. There you go. Yeah. And cases can be won or lost based on WhatsApp. And in civil law, now you're seeing an increase in the amount of WhatsApp conversations that are coming oh. up. Oh, yeah. Okay. So it is critical to, to understand what your rights on the terms of any agreement is. I think it's very important for you to even bring that up because, I mean, we like to speak in principle about the importance of doing contractual arrangements, right? And that's why I think I might have asked about the practicality of it in certain businesses because, for example, in DJing, maybe by doing it in a formal contractual form, <laughs> um, some business uh, contractors who are contracting with DJs 
prefer not to have that done. And so a lot of times these DJs um will will in in an effort not to sabotage their relationship with these persons, mm -hmm. run along with it. So I think like you said, WhatsApp communications. Mm -hmm. If it's even You need to be clear on what you're doing. Be very clear in my communication. Um, what was said. If it is you had a telephone conversation, make reference to it in a WhatsApp conversation. Or send an email. Or send an email. Send we an just email. had that conversation. I think um, it's something that can assist your attorney when time comes for you to enforce oh, your rights. Give me an example. It's a story. Maybe hypothetical. Maybe true. Let's hear it. Let's hear the story. Gentleman enters into an agreement to play a function. He has two well, two or three functions line up for the week. Mm -hmm. On the way to the one of the functions, somebody hits his car. Mm -hmm. Car crashes. He's severely injured. He'll recover. But he broke his right hand. He's right-handed. Mm -hmm. And he also has an injury to his face where he can't speak. Mm -hmm. So he's out of commission for three to four weeks. He's not the person that fought. He was hit from behind. Okay. Okay, good. Mm -hmm. We're on to PI now. Mm -hmm. It's time to sue. Now, loss of income. Yeah. If you're only at, if if you're only DJing and they ask you to prove what did you lose because you can't work for three weeks. Right. And you say to yourself, no, I'm a little thing line up, you know. Mm -hmm. Versus him saying, no, here are the invoices that I have that I sent off that were due in this time frame. I was injured and I cannot work. So I lost out on these contracts, which I signed to. Yeah. That is why it's important. To that's a, that's a special black and white. I actually love that hypothetical situation because in more ways than one, it's showing you the importance of loss of income, loss of opportunities, loss of chances. Um, which are recoupable. And so we go back to just the importance of having it reduced in writing. Ensure that it is. Because like Sanjay said, the implications are there in the absence of proving same. Mm -hmm. No, we're in the law realm. Oh my, full name. Okay, all right, let's go. Sanjay is an attorney at law who practices. Well, tell us what you practice exactly. So I do criminal defense, conveyance, and family probate. And I advise on other areas of law. Some other attorneys will call me. Okay. Um, civil and criminal appeals. A lot of criminal appeals as well. So that those are my areas. And your office. Well, thankfully, Sanjay allowed us to join him at his office. Tell us where you're located. Four Duke Street, first floor. Mm -hmm. I operate from the chambers of Mr. Christopher Anthony Townsend, TWP Attorneys at Law. All right. How has the experience been? You've been called for some time now. And couple, couple years, couple years, <laughs> <Couple> years. <laughs> but Sanjay is no stranger to the law because your dad was a, a well known attorney, and your family are persons who have been exposed to the law. Um, does it feel any different from, I guess, well, it, it did it help to have family members who are associated with the law before you started? It does help. Um, and every experience in life is supposed to teach you something. Um, it's always good to have someone to, to, to ask for help. Family who can say, hey, no, man, do this and they guide you certain ways and they help you certain ways. And um, they introduce you to the, um, the industry um, 
working with my dad especially was amazing because when I remember I got called on December 10, went to court by myself, won the case on December 11. Wow. Next day, not ramping. Oh. Of course, you know, I'm telling you my thing. When I, when I got called, you know, yeah. and the, um, the ceremony was over, you know, <laughs> went straight over to the JLC. I said, here's my money. <laughs> my money started working immediately. Yeah. Um. So I, well, I kept the, my family background a, a secret while going through law. Was nothing. I think it was like last year, last school that it kind of came out between mock trial and somebody said, "Oh, you know, it's Ernie Smith, son, you know." Mm -hmm. I must be going, "Oh boy, we're keeping this a secret for years. Let's, let's." And they'd be like, "Yo, didn't you Ernie with your father? Oh my God, when that big search of his case, he almost like, oh, oh my God, again. they brought it up. Somebody brought it up Ooh, in the lounge, and I must like, um, yeah, that's my pop still. Um, I didn't really want that to be." Because there are persons in not just in law, but like in just in general in life who go around and say who the parents are, the last name taught him. Yeah. My last name is Smith. It's a very common last name. I I believe that um having a good family legacy is great. It it really it's something for you to really and truly want to continue, not to boast about. That's a big difference. So my dad didn't go to law school in Jamaica, he went to England. So, no matter what, my thing was, I am the one who was in that seat. I'm the one who writing those exams. Everything is on me. I can't just write an exam. Oh, my father is and my sister is. No, hello. It's you. It's you. It's your work. It's your sweat and tears. It is your effort. Without your own effort, nothing to show for it. So, I that, that was the, the background. It helped. Um, I can't deny it helped. It helped too make me not feel as uncomfortable and um and to, to show you the connection between law and music now there are persons who say that you know when they talk about law they have this heavy tongue and this this accent you know mm. law is i was like shut up first of all law is art it is it is it actually no i remember i won't say who i was speaking to when i was still in school when the conversation came up and I said, hold on. I said, law is art. Don't think it's a joke thing. Because think about it. When, you, when we were in high school, we were told, if you want to the law, you have to do history, you know. That's it. That's where History is it. false under humanities. Mm -hmm. My first degree is from the humanities faculty. Right. So I'm a type of nerd. So I'm a first degree language communication. So the courses that persons were taught, you are told you had to do to get into law mm -hmm. are all arts courses. Agreed. I had to do literature as a part of literature and, yeah. and, and history mm -hmm. are things that you're told you have to do. Mm -hmm. These are art subjects. Now, the practice of law is also, it encompasses the art of advocacy. Not the sense of advocacy, mm -hmm. the art of advocacy. Right. When you go into a trial and you hear an advocate on his feet or her feet and they're at it, mm -hmm. you're just like, this is poetry. It is. And then when they come out of court, it's a whole different persona. <laughs> different people. It's like theatrics. It's like theater. Right. So when you're painting the picture of what happened in the matter, to then get to the full picture at the end with the canvas, everything, that's art. Mm -hmm. Just like how they say, oh my God, you know, I do, I do chemistry, I do biochemistry, but then the, the highest one will be medicine. Mm -hmm. Oh, I do 
history and literature the highest form of it than law. Mm-hmm. Now, well, that's an interesting perspective. That is exactly. And when I said to the, to the, to the person, the jaw was somewhere between Earth and probably the equator or something because they're like, oh my God, I can't believe it. Mm-hmm. That actually doesn't make sense. Um, so public speaking, for example, it's very, very important. There are persons who, I'm a first class honors and mm-hmm. all the things in the world. That's great to have, you know. But if you cannot put it into practice, it becomes a problem. Yeah. It's a theory by Noam Chomsky called competence and performance. It is basically saying your competence is here. Your performance is your speech. Tarzan is the, is the prime example. I think the book is called Language Acquisition. It was taught by Dr. Stewart. Okay. I think it was L21A. The comparison was Tarzan in the jungle swinging on, on, on the tree vine. He sees Jane. Mm-hmm. In his mind, he goes, Art. I'm going to go to her and say, I'm Tarzan. What is your name? Um, I'm going to say, Hi, are you Mary? Oh, oh my God, you look so well. He, he All these ideas in his head. And they, they sound very, very grammatical, mm-hmm. very smooth. He goes before Mary now, Me, Tarzan, you, Jane. <laughs> yeah. You know, see the difference? Yeah. It's performance. Yeah. So that, that, is, that is why it, when, you, when you're DJing or when you do public speaking or a certain level of arts and you go into law and you go into advocacy, you have a better, you don't have an observer's paradox. You don't see a camera or a crawl and you get shot. Mm-hmm. But you shouldn't. You're able to just do it. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Um, so, for example, Aristotle and Cicero, those are artistic um theorists, persons who are uh, known to be advocates. And uh, as you said, there is a law is art. That's one of the, the, the undertones of what you just said. And so I agree. Indeed. Um, so where are we now? There's, there's so much. <laughs> there's so much. We're in law and you asked me about, um, you know, the background and yeah, such. I was actually going to even add to what you said about the importance. Yeah, the importance of what you said about the theatrics. And um, I was going to say that in the criminal arena in particular, you have that opportunity to <laughs> re- create a performance before a jury because a lot has to do with um, how it is you as an attorney, I guess, appears at the time another mm-hmm. person is making an objection, when it is that they're making a statement which might be at least compromising or or hurtful to your case, your posture as an attorney sitting there while that objection is being made and being watched by the jury is something that you have to think about. Of course. Right? So those things, and you know that you have to put on your poker face and and not appear perturbed. So to me, all of that is a part of the theatrics. You know, mm-hmm. when I was a matra a coach, brilliant man, um, Sir Fletcher, mm-hmm. he gave us... Um, uh, an example of advocacy and um, he moved it from just a spoken word to body language posture and what is critical now if somebody for example the complainant comes into court and they are giving their version of us of what they say enough and uh, you the, the, the jury is looking at the person like taking in what you say. Then my law also look at so hold on. So how come when you, you get asked certain questions, you box shuffle? 
and you're right. Then watch that, and how you speak to a jury. I remember my mock trial was crazy. <laughs> my mock trial was crazy. Actually, one night. Um, so we did. Uh, I think it was a Peter Bad case. Oh, okay. And of course, I was the defense. And um, the persons who came as a jury, mm-hmm. they said like, "Yo, you know, not guilty." Mm-hmm. It was like, "Oh, how? Why?" They're like, "Well, you know, how he spoke to us." Now, communication is a very critical part of any of anything. Um, a client coming to your office, your client is a not a son. Your client is a. He's a, he or she's a... Difficult player? Yeah, let's be difficult. And they are, you're using these multi-syllable words that you know what they mean. They may impress the client, and the client walk out and say, it's a while ago. It's critical. Give you an example. If I said to you, Raquel Chung, um, if you're not going to buy a plate, I'm going to change him plate. What would you think? Think they're going to buy his plate? Change his plate? Yeah. I'm going to buy a plate. What kind of plate? Like a plate for license plate? All right. I'm going to tell you something. There was a case many years ago that man said, no, and the man said, the story I got from that time, that man said, listen, the company said, yes. Um, I knew it was the person because on the day I went to go change my plate. So what is like change plate? Like, like you know, like a saucer? Yeah, okay. So Turns out that plate meant false teeth is the bridge. <laughs> what? Exactly. So you have to know the little things that your client, your client um, is referring to. So when you, when you think about... Neat. Okay. Yeah. I wonder, people still say that? Like for you. It depends on where you are. It depends on where you are. So, contrary to what some people might believe, um, the, the, the lifestyle... Of a in, person dictates in, how they speak. It, it does. And if you're unable to communicate with people at all levels, nah. That's I agree. Not, that's not how it's going to work. I agree. That's not how it's going to work. And... If you move from, let's say you work at a big firm, and a big firm is into somewhere in rural Jamaica, where to us it is annoying that you know, the water pressure is low on the fifth floor of our apartment complex. Right. Versus somebody who you drive past the house is on stilts and it's an outhouse. They have two different types of lifestyle, two yep. different types of concerns. So if you're not able to then understand that lifestyle, how can you then extract from the person what transpired around the property on the day? You have to understand who and what you're dealing with and where you're dealing with. Because if you can't, then you're in problems. Agreed. Come back to music. I'm not going to play the same way at a wedding, then go to a hardcore dancehall party and start off the same way. It may, it may not work. Especially if the crowd is... Under the age of, say, 22. Right. Versus a wedding where the persons are in their 50s and 60s. Mm-hmm. A 50-year-old person relates to music when they're about 12. Mm-hmm. That's his 38 years ago. 38 years ago. Carries it back into the 80s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, somebody who is 22 now was born in 2002. 
Right. Give Me the Light came out in 2001. Mm. Really? It was 2001? Yeah. Because yeah. Buzz Rhythm came out in 2001. The Sean Paul got the big attraction the year later. Oh. And Diwali was 2003. Mm -hmm. Love the Diwali Rhythm. All right. Now, back up again. Fast forward to now when they call it Dirty Money Rhythm. Which one is that again? Um, with the um, let me someone you don't know, like oh, this one, no, yeah, all right. That rhythm mm -hmm. came out in 2009, yes, yeah, because when the rhythm was finished, mm -hmm. I remember this distinctly. Tariq Comic Russia, mm -hmm. Sanjay, Mr. Tariq, what go on? It's my rhythm to give you. I said, saying to me right away, I play only out in one hour. Let me send me the rhythm. It's 2009, 2009 is 15 years ago, and here we are now. Yep. So the the twenty year old who is now dancing to that rhythm say, Yeah man, yo, baddest thing. Not knowing that the same thirty year old person is going, Yo, I remember this. Yep, yep. And that happens in music. That's happening now, especially because if you check mm -hmm. it out, um, a lot of the rhythms that you hear now, a lot of these new artists, whether dance or um reggae or hip hop in mm -hmm. particular. Even some of the dances. Some of the dances are coming back. You recognize that they're incorporating the rhythms. And then, I mean, I don't even want to consider the legal implications of that to say whether they're doing this with permission. I would hope so. If you look at reggaeton, then that's a whole, that's, Which there goes your argument. That mm -hmm. important for you in particular. Because I asked, um, and, and this is just crazy, because I wanted to ask you something on the communication part, now we're in the music. Ugh, how do I start? My first degree is actually in communication. Really? Yeah, language communication society. So that was. I won't say when it was, but I will say it was not recent. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Because I mean, oh you said something, and I'm going to take it one by stage by stage. You said something in relation to how important it is. And I asked Mr. Townsend on our first interview that how important is it for persons to understand different backgrounds and whether or not your experience of different backgrounds assists you in the law and communicating with, with clients? Mm -hmm. It does. It does. So the question is, well, he said to me that um, for those who didn't really experience those things, they can learn. And it's true. It might be more difficult for you to learn and you'd have to approach it as a science mm -hmm. because you, ne you never went through it. But... Certainly, um, you're right. Communication is key for the business of law um, and anything that has to do with public speaking or anything else. You don't want to be talking over people if it is that um, they can't understand you. I think it's pointless. Why do you think a politician at a rally speaks one way mm. and a different way in parliament? Yeah, perfectly put. That's a prime example of how it's important for you. My father was in politics. He was? Yes, he was member of parliament. Oh, which which constituency? It would have been uh, was it South West St. Anne. Um, so that's where he's from, Brownstone. So my mother oh, and my father are from Brownstone. Yeah. yeah. So uh, you you get to understand the importance of my, my father. I was a firm believer in in never forgetting where you're coming from and also um, learning to speak to everybody because he just never know. Yeah. There was a gentleman who I counseled when I was a peer counselor. I counseled him at a point in his life when he was low. And I saw this, this, this guy probably like 
Seven years later, he's working at a restaurant. And the man looked at me and the man said, Mr. Smith, whatever you want, you'll pay for it. So I said, I called the guys and he was like, yeah, something seems so different. And said, well, stop the bleaching. Wow. Stop the this. Yeah. And he changed his life around. Yeah. All the guys he hung out with are dead. Every single one of them dead. Wow. Yes. So what you said to him was impactful. It was impactful yeah. because at the end of the day, let's never know the person lining up. True. You know what I'm saying? So if, if you have to be able to live good with people, speak well with people. And I mean, if somebody's rooted, that's different. But if no one is rooted, there's no point to be rude to somebody. Agreed. In fact, I was talking to somebody about that. That's important. Yes. and You don't have to make a point of, and, and you can tell me this, uh, and I'm not going to get into specifics, but what's your thought on that point about persons who are, they have this intimidation tactic theory of believing that once it is you talk down to people, you intimidate them, they'll respect you. As opposed to you speaking to somebody with respect Mm -hmm. Not necessarily behaving as though you're better than them or anything like that. Do you believe which which of the two approaches, the humble perspective or the intimidating <laughs> perspective? <laughs> believe it's better to gain respect. What a question to ask me. I mean, it's real life. I'm pretty sure it happens. Let me tell you why it's, it's important. That's a very interesting question to answer. A little bit of history as well. I didn't do any law type art subject mm. nobody couldn't tell me anything back in high school yeah. i was gonna be dr sanjay smith mm -hmm. yes but it's so i did sciences right up to sixth form but high school changed me from wanting to be a doctor outright because with every high school there's always the tension between the admin and the students and a particular person at the school who was a member of the teaching staff, I won't say what the person's role was, but I said to the person one day, I was like 14 or 13, and I said, listen, speaking to people or to students in particular, anybody in a condescending way or a shouting and but you'd want to say like an intimidating manner does not get your respect. Worse with me. Okay. Because I give everybody basic respect, you know. It stays in the middle. However, how you respond to me, you gotta go up or down. Mm -hmm. If it goes down, you in problems. Mm -hmm. Now, there's a difference. I guess you can say I was a bit of a rebel when I was in high school, but I was a nerd. Not an argument, not, a, not an interview, not a story. But if you speak to people in a respectful manner, not necessarily condescending, not necessarily strong and authoritative, but if you're, if you observe the person, because people will always observe people before they speak, True. they look at how you, how you dress, how you walk, how you talk, how your hair do, your nails, these things matter. Especially when a woman is looking at a man, she said, is, is his shoes clean? Mm -hmm. No commentary. No, it's true. It's true. It's it's a full, you, you do a full length observation. Mm -hmm. I think it's important that um that we all do. And it's based on the observations, how you would talk to the person. 
But then it doesn't mean because the person is just in a particular way rating the person's of, of straw that you're going to speak down to the person. Right. That's not supposed to happen. I don't believe in that. I talk to you respectful. Morning, sir. How are you doing? Anybody, client or not? Morning, sir. These basic manners, basic manners were taught as, as kids. We're not, not sure about no, but it's just basic communication, basic manners. Now, if you're going to reprimand somebody, that's different. I agree. That's a different thing. But I'm not going to meet you. Miss Charmin, look at you. Look. No, why? Yeah. Yeah. And what happens when you go, oh, yes, very strong. Smith, but I sign your paycheck. Have a seat. Yeah. <laughs> These things matter. Um, yeah. People need to understand the importance of being respectful, not coming off soft, mm -hmm. but not coming off disrespectful or condescending. Right. It's okay to just say, good morning, how are you doing? That's it. I'm not for the, the, the strong, condescending, disrespectful, or the shouting, or the um, trying to portray that I'm better than you kind of thing. Yeah. I think that's an important mindset and quality to have. And I think it's something that's missing. Oh. Watch the time. Oh, yeah. What time is it? Very good conversation. Oh, this is awesome conversation. Damn. Yeah, what time is it? It's 6.18. 6.18, okay. We're going to try to wrap up for 6.30. 6.30, okay. Can we have a part two if you want to? You can have a part two because I really want to hear the reggaeton part. Yeah. In terms of Christopher about reggaeton and... All right, all right. Um, fine. So you want to skip a few tracks. All right. So Sanjay, mm. you're familiar with the whole reggaeton reggae debate yeah. that's happening now. In terms of, I think there's a lawsuit that was taken out by um. So the guy who originally made reading Shabaran. Yeah. Yeah, but so, reggaeton um... being well, using that as a portion of being the, the the songs that they they have no on the market. Um, the name alone is just, it's just indicative of what comes from. Right. Now, um, contrary to what, um, and this is, a, this is an intermingling of law and music, mm -hmm. contrary to what persons may think, Jamaica is responsible for a lot of the genres that are actually out. Now, I remember... When um, we were keeping Color Festival years ago. Um, so I've also been in the promotion side as well. So DJing, promoter, um, to the engineering, helping to produce. Um, I learned um, how to mix and master. And then there's the other side as a patron. So yeah, yeah um, anyway, so Color Festival came about. We're promoting things, you know, we're doing what we need to do. The debate comes up. Oh, where does um, EDM come from? EDM is really a class of music now. Um, and it's a big argument about, yes, you know, you know EDM come from England and blah, blah, blah. No, no. Mm -hmm. King Jamis and King Toby, don't do what they say. That's where it comes from. Yeah. And you talk at a time when it could go between Jamaica and England very easily. So things like dub and dubstep and dance, Jamaica. Yeah. Hip hop. The persons who really did hip hop. There were two Jamaican guys who went to New York. Um, so you get to see that Jamaica has actually pioneered so much music. Now, we have been sampled a lot in many different genres. And I remember there's a particular, there's a, oh God, I can't remember the, the, the gentleman's name now. Oh my God, big, big Jamaican artist. I think he sued, uh, was it Miley Cyrus or 
Oh yes, I heard about that one. Um, but um, that is always the best way to do it. Settle yeah. out of court. So you you look you, you look at just us how influential it is. Now, the drum pattern for reggaeton, it is it is their core, but then their core comes from. Yeah. Now, the importance of copyright is, in particular with music, it is so fundamental that if you fail to even do a poor man's copyright, you might find yourself out in the cold. Every year, Mariah Carey is sued over her Christmas album. She was a gentleman also, I think, took out a claim in December, which is last month, about the album. Oh, I was the first. No. Like, what? When was this? Oh, uh, 20 years ago. But what? Yeah. So if you do not copyright your, your, your work, and I'm going to say work because copyright only vests in work. Not ideas. This is for... We, we know this. Yeah. But for the public to know. It's in the work, not the idea. Right? So what's the point of having the tool in front of you if you're only going to conjure it but don't put it to work or to put it to practice? If the mind does not translate into work, still only a thought. Yep. Just like if Tarzan did not go up to Jane and say something... He will still be thinking about it. And the worst thing anybody want, Luba can say, if if I had only done this. Um, it is uh, an interesting topic in respect of reggaeton. I'm yet to see how it unfolds because reggaeton is a multi-billion dollar industry. It's not a baby industry. It is huge. It is it is it spans the entire Latin American market plus other markets as well. Right. Um. So I'm I, I'm eager to see what will come of it, and if if they ruin our favor, best believe it's it's a and worms. Give me another joke about copyright. Um, I read recently that there is actually a potential suit to come. Um, to hit a country in, I think it's a, it's a, a company in England, mm -hmm. somewhere in Europe, I believe, though, around aluminum. Okay. You're curious as to whole, like, why? Aluminum. Made from what? Well, bauxite. Which comes from? Jamaica. Oh, oh, I thought so, it was some other element. So. Jamaica. The, the, what I read is that the suit surrounds the the techniques, the technique of making, turning bauxite to aluminum and who really did the work on paper to put the entire thing together. The argument is that it comes from Jamaica, which right. will kind of make sense since it's zero bauxite it's from. Really? So it might sound simple. Oh, yeah, you know, the idea is mine. Okay, fine, it's yours. But what does that mean for all the money that that company would have made over the last 50, 60, 70, 80 years. This is the importance of copyright. It is. So you're looking at potentially billions of dollars. This is how important copyright is. And if you do not read upon it,
if you do not understand, you may find yourself in problem. Ice Ice Baby, Manila Ice, he found himself on the, on the defendant side of a lawsuit over the beat. One part of the beat. Mm -hmm. It would have been the, the phrase. Dang, 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 dang. Yeah, yeah. Um, that is yeah. Critical. Yeah, it is. The difference between Dirty Money and and um, Go Go Club rhythm, same same rhythm basically, same producer. It's not the same. It's not the same rhythm. The same rhythm. Oh, but it's just different names now because they might have changed out some element of the the instrument. Same, same thing. Mm -hmm. The only when I found when, when if I'm not enough a comparison between a sample. And um the root original rhythm, you could think about um gigging rhythm. Mm -hmm. Then two thousand and five gigging. Then thinking about um unfinished business. Right. Which is another thing. Which is um certainly song No Games. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which sampled the nineties rhythm. Mm -hmm. Okay. And if you're gonna talk about dancing. Right. So Coffit, for example, but but they say, oh my God, Beyonce is so original. No, that's a Prince dance from the 80s. The entire routine as Prince. Yeah. I can show you a video of Prince with the exact same thing. Yeah. So. Let's let's even think about that for a second though. Like, let's think of some other dances today that. So stir fry, screeching. Yeah. Stir, all right, if you look at, download, pull this a routine. Yeah. Daddy business is there. Mommy business. You don't, you don't, don't know. Do what you need to do for you. That's what I tell myself. And do it now. Do it. Love that. Love that. And that's it, guys. Sanjay Smith. DJ Sanjay. That's <laughs> <laughs> a wrap. That's a Townsend. Um, it's, just, it's, it's, it's a lot of persons who I watch and their style. And, you know, you pick from that. And you, you try your best to, 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 to emulate. Yeah. Just like in music, my inspiration was Delano and you know, Stone Love and other persons, Renaissance, of course, Renaissance, Stone Love. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you try and pull from that. Um, it's wow, it's a lot of persons who I can tell you I pull from. And not to at all um, take from those persons because obviously he's about to list them, but I'm going to have to cut him off right now and go to the next question, which is your, do you consider yourself a role model? And... I think everybody is a role model to someone, whether they know it or not. Yeah. That is why it's always good to be a, a good character. Mm -hmm. Because you may never know who the person is who's watching you, who says that person is my hero. I agree. So from there, I, 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 I will say I don't know for sure. Yeah. But if I am, I try my best to always have a good character. Okay. Well, certainly you have made yourself, and I can tell you, it's no surprise to me how successful you have I made try. your career. I'm not this rich. Point. It doesn't matter if he's rich, guys. I I'm know not. Sanjay and I literally went head to head in elections at law school for public relations officer. We go way back. Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. You did not forget. I, I just remember, I was like, oh, yes, that actually happened. What? That actually happened. I was like, no, she won because I was like, yo. <laughs> Take it as your No, I didn't. I didn't have the time. I didn't have the time. No, man. I went to talk. So I was like... Raquel went hard. And I was like, you know, I said, Raquel, you need to put some of the job. He actually annoyed me some points because I was, I was taking this, the competition very serious. Oh, I can't tell you what that time. They were in... What? Then? 
Mm-hmm. So you joking this thing out? I was like, not the time. Not the time. Yeah, well, I mean, I know had I not worked that hard, I could not even decide I wanted that book. So on the flip side, there's no surprise doing what you're doing now. Oh, really? Thank yeah. you. Thank you. So I'm I'm just really, I'm happy I had the opportunity and you readily said yes. I didn't expect a no from you um, to do this interview. And I'm so proud of you. Mm, thank you. To how you really made this career your own. I can tell you that um, you're a great attorney. You have made your name and I've seen your successful appeals and trials um, that you've completed. And so I'd readily tell anyone that if you want somebody to represent you, in criminal in the criminal arena or any in the civil litigation because i do see you doing some civil law um then civil law is actually funny i'm harsh Corey. yeah i don't oh. know i want to matter the same day. <laughs> i'm not super great to get into the detail but obviously i can tell you firsthand he's great um i try so, my best so thank you so much for being on the show and if we do get to do a part two, I'll be readily open to do that. Right? Yeah, man. I have no I have no issue. I'm always ready. But my final question to you, which is why I'll leave you to the floor and to the end of the show is, if you could... What's the question? If we go back in time, what would you... Yeah, this was our last question to Mr. Townsend. If you could go back to t- in time... What would you tell me? What advice would you give yourself? Right, let me do it over so we can have it for the edits. If you could go back in time... Mm-hmm. What advice would you give yourself and what would you do any differently if so? Advice I give myself I go back in time is um be a better judge of characters and understand the importance of um not procrastinating. Hard work from the onset. That's pretty much where, because a lot of times people get left behind or they, they fall down um, based on who is around them. Because a person, somebody can waste your time, but then they go ahead. But then you don't realize That's so true. what you're doing. Because when they go home, you don't know what they're doing. So that's the advice I'd give to myself. Um, and of course, be a better judge of character. Um, people are people who you um, you spend a lot of time with. Uh, not saying that they are bad people, but um, also know your own situation and what you need to do to get where you need to go. Because some persons already have a plan that's set for them by somebody else. You don't know that. So you're there with them having a grand time and you're like, yeah, you know. Because let's be real, Jamaican artists, apart from the very, very few like Sean and Shaggy, they're not selling five, 10 million records, yeah. but you make your money off dub plate. And I remember when I was trying to get dub plate when I was in high school, it wasn't easy. I couldn't afford it. Mm-hmm. You beg, you know, beg your drops or something. Was it cost now like a hundred thousand per? They were, depending on the artist. Oh. If you're right, voicing, so the, the, because at the time, you're looking at, I won't call the artist's name, right. but back in 1998. How high can it get? The, if it's an exclusive, clash dub plate, mm-hmm. you're looking at a couple hundred thousand dollars for one song, isn't it? Wow. For one song. And all they're really saying is, the DJ name probably says some kind of quote in it. And then, no, man. What See, are they saying in the So, I remember that. So, clash was one of the things that was a big thing when I was in high school. 
And because I think that my old song, what I was in, so before I did join Kapashat, I had a song with my version called Bloodline. So the song that Franco, Franco is in Bloodline Franco, it's actually my old song. Oh, okay. Yeah. It was me, Matty Samuud, and Peter Gobo, and Jason Reynolds, and then Renan Williams, we formed and became Bloodline. Bloodline Sound Cruise is like back in, oh God, 2001, or 2000. Oh. Yeah, man. And a lot of persons don't know, Kabaka Pyramid, who's my virgin, used to play sound as well. Get oh. yeah, that sound named Time Bomb. Mm-hmm. I've clashed him sound as well. Yeah. Big up Kabaka Pyramid, but no, yeah. <laughs> so, so, Clash was an important part. And you, don't, you didn't need to have 50 songs. Right. But you had to have the right song. And if the artist not going to do the song for you, or if you do the song for you, but you're going to call the song, do the song and call next man name and this, that man in the song, mm-hmm. pay for that. Wow. It's not free. Yeah. You got to pay for that. Oh, so you can tell them what you want in there and... And they know how to, to do it. To make it, yeah, resonate right? with the people. Exactly. So, <sighs> Clash was always a thing. Yeah. And Clash, oh my God. So you're looking at... And this is why... Fully loaded, world clash are critical things for sound systems. Because you get to see the, the, the expression of art. You get to see the skill and speech. and Trust me, mm-hmm. it's, it's amazing to watch. That is the reason why other persons from overseas, like Germany and Japan and all across people are like, yo, we have to come to Jamaica. There are persons who come in to learn to dance, dance all still. Yep. They still do it. A lot of Europeans as well. Yeah. I mean, it's less now, but it, they still do come. Mm-hmm. And I can understand why, you know, Popcorn was so upset. You mean recently? Of course. Okay. Because, and I don't care who vex. Jamaica's biggest products that we export is our Culture. Culture. So when you talk about tourism, what are you really in what are you really drawing the people with? Right. It's not the beaches. Because the flight to DR is less than driving to Ocho Reyes. The hotels there are cheaper. People want the culture. Yeah. People want the jerk chicken. Why do you think when you put jerk on a menu in America, they go, oh my God, yo, it's Jamaican. Mm-hmm. It's our culture. We still push Bob Marley. We still push marijuana. We still push all these things. What the American culture, the music, the dance, the people, the fashion. Come on. Yeah. This. No, we're going to hold it in the realm now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know what? I'm going, to, I'm going to stop the process and narrow it on to two yes or no questions and then the big question. All right. All right. So the yes or no question. Mm-hmm. Do you plan or are you doing any sort of entertainment law considering your experience? Yes or no? No. Okay. Do you Not, plan to? Uh, it's a new year. I feel like you have the base. I mean, you have so many connections in um, business, so... I, I may, may, most likely. Business-wise, I think Sabrina's idea from friend to friend. You sound like Sukur from War 21. It's the same thing you said to me. Sanjay, you do it. No, I'm telling you, like, me thinking about everything you just said, obviously this is no news to you. You're seasoned, you have the, you have the connection, you have the network. I, I think it would be a very easy ecosystem for you to create. You don't have to do it alone. Anyway, that's just my friendly advice, guys. Um, <laughs> uh, do you have a role model? Uh, in law? Generally. Uh, 
not just one. Or in law? In law, I draw inspiration from um, persons who came in from my, my dad, my sister. Um, so I tried to remember screeching. The stir fry. Mm. Benny McCann did the stir fry. Look oh. at screeching, it's the same thing. <laughs> the similarities there. Big up Ding Dong, Virgin. Big up what that. It's, it's, it's very similar. There's, and it's fine. Yeah. And Ding will always give, give um, props to, to persons who came before him. Zip it up by Bling Dog. Yeah, what's that like? Do now? you know that Ding Dong is in that video? No, I did not. I did not. But I remember Zip it up. So. Do you remember? Because every time I bring this up to anybody in dancing. Do you remember Jerry Springer? Of course. Finally, I've met my match. Some reason, Jerry Springer. Every time the Jerry Springer dance. A lot of people in my age group. Oh, don't know it. So Jerry Springer, hello, why I were pretty similar back in two thousand, back in nineteen ninety nine. Um, so Jerry Springer was a dance that people would do, especially to the bug rhythm, because oh. bug rhythm came out July, I think, it was July twenty fourth, nineteen ninety nine. Mm -hmm. And at the time, at the time, if you wanted premiere a rhythm at a party, you had to have it on dub plate. Mm. Dub plate is actually not just a man singing a song, but when you say plate, mm. back to the word plate again. Plate mm. is actually a metal record. Oh. Yes. Okay. So when you were anything up a man dub box back in the day, you had to have muscle. Because <laughs> that was heavy. metal versus vinyl. First time I heard Bogota at Bogota Party was at Fully Loaded, July 25, 1999. It was played by Tony Matera. Mm -hmm. His dub played the metal record that was oh. pressed up because it wasn't up for production and wasn't fully released as yet. Oh, okay. So pre-release was a thing. Now, matching copyright and music again and such, somebody releases a song. It comes out on the black market, bootleg, before the release date. Right. And it's no one, it, no one, no one um, online for download. On the, on the, is it called the dark internet? Okay. Dark the dark web? Dark web, yeah. Mm -hmm. There you go, oh my God, that's my material. That's Who released it? Look at when Sean Funny was sued by Metallica and the entire music industry and shut down Napster. Music and copyright and law merging. Yep. So it, listen, we could be here for the whole night. You know? I know, I know. You're <laughs> in everything, clearly. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, yeah. Um, I guess just have to, I'll try to narrow it down to three questions. Clearly, I don't want to. No, we can do a part two now because, and I have to because, um, Everything. Um wear a bit of shirt comes. It's really good thing. You know what Napster? Yeah. Oh, yeah we care about Napster. Napster was a big deal. So Napster was one of the, if not the first real music sharing site. And this would have been 1998, 1997, when if you had a CD burner on your computer, you were rich. You know what I'm saying? But then if you if you had access to if you had DSL versus dial-up. Listen, you were downloading, of course. Oh. So you were downloading that song. The song to download, you gone home, gone to school, the come the song finished download. Hopefully. If you're not interrupted, it's going to pick up the phone and disturb the entire connection. Well, I remember that though. My cousin used that all the time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So there was music sharing back then, and then you weren't paying for it. When we were buying records back then, I mean, when I was in high school, they had two options. There were three options. Buy a record, buy a cassette, eat lunch. I was very skinny in high school. Yeah, man. If Breeze blow my gun, I'm doing. 
won't even lie to you. Had a lot of, lot of, lot of cassettes, a lot of records. Made money. No, because no. when you're just starting out, and this is the basic of almost every business, mm-hmm. you have to give and take. More give than you can take. So get your name out there. At 14, 15, really and truly, I'm going to give you 10 grand, 10 grand minus of money to play at a party. You young, unknown 14-year-old little kid mm-hmm. who has to stand and create to go on the turntables. Not going to happen. No. But it's an investment. All right. Have to put you in order to finally see so, the reward. So, I mean, it's just... When you look at just how how far the, the, the legalities of... Um, of music and law, the how they interrelate, and now with with um with AI, because you saw how they use the Drake, Drake the AI Drake voice to do over yep. a cartel song. Then the question becomes: If you can get this to be done like this, what does it mean for the artists and duplet? Right. Because duplet money was what artists really used to make money, especially in Jamaican dancehall space. Mm-hmm. Because let's be real, Jamaican artists. Apart from the very, very few like Sean and Shaggy, they're not selling five, ten million records. Yeah. But you make your money off dub plate. And I remember when I was trying to get dub plate when I was in high school. It wasn't easy. I couldn't afford it. Mm-hmm. You beg all your big hand drops or a sample. Was it cost now like a hundred thousand per? They were depending on the artist. Oh. If you're right. so the, the artist at the time, you're looking at I won't call the artist's name. Right. But back in nineteen ninety eight. How high can it get? The if it's an exclusive. Clash dub plate. Mm-hmm. You're looking at a couple hundred thousand dollars for one song, isn't it? Wow. For one song. And all they're really saying is the DJ name probably says some kind of quote in it. And then No man. What See, are they saying in the So I remember that so Clash was one of the things that was a big thing when I was in high school. And it's a thing that my old song what I was in. So before I did join Copper Shot, I had a song with my version called Bloodline. So the song at Franco, Franco's in Bloodline Franco, mm-hmm. it's actually my old song. Oh, okay. Yeah. It was me, Matty Summerwood, and Peter Gobo, mm-hmm. and Jason Reynolds, and then Renan Williams, we formed and became Bloodline. Bloodline Sound Cruise is like back in, oh God, 2001, 2000. Oh. Yeah, man. And a lot of persons don't know, Kabaka Pyramid, who's my virgin, used to play sound as well. Oh. Get yeah, that sound named Time Bomb. Mm-hmm. I've clashed him sound as well. Yeah. Big up Kabaka Pyramid, but no, yeah. <laughs> so, so, Clash was an important part. And you, don't, you didn't need to have 50 songs. Right. But you had to have the right song. And if the artist not going to do the song for you, or if you do the song for you, but you're going to call the song, do the song and call next man name and this, that man in the song, mm-hmm. you pay for that. Wow. It's not free. Yeah. You got to pay for that. Oh, so you can tell them what you want in there and... And they know how to, to do it. To make it, yeah, resonate right? with the people. Exactly. So, Clash was always a thing. Yeah. And Clash, oh my God. So you're looking at... And this is why fully loaded world Clash are were critical things for sound systems. Mm-hmm. Because you get to see the... the expression of art you get to see the skill and speech and trust me mm-hmm. it's, it's amazing to watch that is the reason why other persons from overseas like Germany and Japan and mm-hmm. all across people are like yo we we'll have to come to Jamaica there are persons who come in to learn to dance dance all still yep they still do it a lot of Europeans as well yeah I mean it's less now but it, they still do come mm-hmm. 
And I can understand why, you know, Popcorn was so upset. You mean recently? Of course. Okay. Because, and I don't care who vex. Jamaica's biggest products that we export is our culture. Culture. So when you talk about tourism, what are you really in what are you really drawing the people with? Right. It's not the beaches. Because the flight to DR is less than driving to Ocho Reyes. The hotels there are cheaper. People want the culture. Yeah. People want the jerk chicken. Why do you think when you put jerk on a menu in America, they go, oh my god, yo, it's Jamaican. Mm-hmm. It's our culture. We still push Bob Marley. We still push marijuana. We still push all these things. What the American culture, the music, the dance, the people, the fashion. Come on. Yeah. This. No, we're going to hold it in the realm now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know what? I'm going, to, I'm going to stop the process and narrate onto two yes or no questions and then the big question. All right. All right. So the yes or no question. Mm-hmm. Do you plan or are you doing any sort of entertainment law considering your experience? Yes or no? No. Okay. Do you Not, plan to? Uh, it's a new year. I feel like you have the base. I mean, you have so many connections in um, business. So. I. I. Me. Me. Most likely. Business wise, I think Sabrina's idea from friend to friend. You sound like Sukhu from War 21. It's the same thing you said to me. Sanjay, you do it. It's true. No, I'm telling you, like, me thinking about everything you just said, obviously this is no news to you. You're seasoned, you have the, you have the connection, you have the network. I, I think it would be a very easy ecosystem for you to create. You don't have to do it alone. Anyway, that's just my friendly advice, guys. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you have a role model? Uh, in law? Generally. Uh, not just one. All right, in law? In law, I draw inspiration from um, persons who came in from my, my dad, my sister, um, Mr. Townsend. Um, it's, just, it's, it's, it's a lot of persons who I watch and their style and, you know, you pick from that and you, you try your best to, 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 to emulate. Yeah. Just like in music, my inspiration was Delano and you know, Stone Love and other persons, Renaissance, of course, Renaissance, Stone Love. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you try and pull from that. Um, it's wow, it's a lot of persons who I can tell you I pull from. And not to at all um, take from those persons because obviously he's about to list them, but I'm going to have to cut him off right now and go to the next question, which is your, do you consider yourself a role model? And I think everybody's a role model to someone, whether they know it or not. Yeah. That is why it's always good to be a, a good character. Because you may never know who the person is who's watching you, who says that person is my hero. I agree. So from there, I will, I, I, I will say I don't know for sure. Yeah. But if I am, I try my best to always have a good character. Okay. Well, certainly you have made yourself, and I can tell you, it's no surprise to me how successful you have I made try. your career. I'm not rich. Point. It doesn't matter if he's rich, guys. I I'm know not. Sandy Sandy and I literally went head-to-head in elections at law school for public relations officer. We go way back. Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. You did not forget. I, I just remember. I was like, oh, yes, that actually happened. What? That actually happened. I was I like, won. no, she won because I was like, yo. He didn't take it as serious. No, I didn't. I didn't have the time. I didn't have the time. No, man. All right. 
So I was like, Raquel went hard, and I was like, you know, I said, Raquel, you need to put some of the job. She actually annoyed me some points because I was, I was taking this, the competition very serious. Oh, I can't tell you what that time they were in, in what, the den? Mm hmm. So you joking this thing out? I was like, not the time. Not the time. Yeah, well, I mean, I know had I not worked that hard, I could not even decide I wanted that book. So on the flip side, there's no surprise doing what you're doing now. Oh, really? Thank yeah. you. Thank you. So I'm I'm just really I'm happy I had the opportunity and you readily said yes. I didn't expect a no from you um to do this interview and I'm so proud of you. Mm, thank you. To how you really made this career your own. I can tell you that um you're a great attorney. You have made your name and I've seen your successful appeals and trials um that you've completed. And so I'd readily tell anyone that if you want somebody to represent you in criminal in the criminal arena or any in the civil litigation because i do see you doing some civil law um then civil law is actually funny i'm harsh Corey. yeah i don't oh. know i want to matter the same day. <laughs> i'm not simulating into the detail but obviously i can tell you firsthand he's great um i try so, my best so thank you so much for being on the show and if we do get to do a part two, I'll be readily open to do that. Now. Yeah, man, I have no, I have no issue. I'm always ready. But my final question to you, which is why I'll leave you to the floor and to the end of the show, is: if you could, what's the question? If we go back in time, what would you? Yeah, this was our last question to Mr. Townsend. If you could go back to t in time, what would you tell? What advice would you give us? Right, let me do it over so we can have it for the end. If you could go back in time. Mm -hmm. What advice would you give yourself and what would you do any differently if so? Advice I give myself I go back in time is um be a better judge of characters and understand the importance of um not procrastinating. Hard work from the onset. That's pretty much where, because a lot of times people get left behind or they, they fall down um, based on who is around them. Because a person, somebody can waste your time, but then they go ahead. But then you don't realize That's so true. what you're doing. Because when they go home, you don't know what they do. So that's the advice I'd give to myself. Um, and of course, be a better judge of character. Um, people are people who you um, you spend a lot of time with. Uh, not saying that they are bad people, but um, also know your own situation and what you need to do to get where you need to go. Because some persons already have a plan that's set for them by somebody else. You don't know that. So you're there with them having a grand time and you're like, yeah, you know, school is a routine. Yeah. Daddy business is there. Mommy business. You don't, you don't, don't know. Mm -hmm. Do what you need to do for you. That's what I tell myself. And do it now. Do it. Love that. Love that. And that's it, guys. Sanjay Smith. DJ Sanjay. <laughs> <laughs>